Hey, what's up, everyone? Welcome to another episode of the Digital Marketing Procast, the best marketing podcast on planet Earth. All right, where you're going to share some insights, interviews, and tips about the digital marketing space. I have, I, I relaunched this podcast after so many of you guys asked me on YouTube. I'm like, okay, fine, I'm going to do it. So today, as promised, we have a special guest on my podcast. His name is Grant Finley Sheriff. He's the CEO and co-founder of Parkbench.com, a relationship-based real estate marketing platform. So we're going to ask him a bunch of marketing questions, and hopefully you guys can learn something for Grant Parkbench. In this interview, we're going to deep dive into all sorts of analytics, but uh, but not too much, though. Like I'm going to keep it light. And uh, we're going to find out, most importantly, how he scaled his company from bootstrapping it to $4 million plus ARR, uh, which is amazing. So without further ado, let's get started. Grant, welcome to the uh, welcome to the show. So first question to you, Grant, can you hear me? Yeah, man. Thanks for having me. Glad to be here. I hear you loud and clear. Awesome. Okay. So tell me a bit about your business and like Define the role of a CEO to whoever who wants to be an entrepreneur, thinking about becoming an entrepreneur. So let's start with your business. What is Parkbench.com? So Parkbench.com is a real estate marketing company. Now that is our niche that we've been focusing on. And at the end of the day, all we're doing is we're helping real estate professionals get more leads, clients, and referrals in a specific geographic area. Now, the way we do that is we have this cool technology and our technology is such that we build websites for neighborhoods. So parkbench.com is kind of like a Google for neighborhoods. If you went there as a user, you could go search for your neighborhood. We're across Canada and the US and we're just about to expand or we just started expanding to Australia, New Zealand. But you go to parkbench.com as the person find your neighborhood, and then we've found a way to index and aggregate local content from around the internet. So news, events, deals, business information, school information, and then organize that information, categorize it, and put local content on the right you know, neighborhood webpage on parkbench.com. So I live in a neighborhood called Liberty Village. So the website for Liberty Village is parkbench.com slash Liberty Village. And we're the number one source of local information for that area. So the people who live and work and play in a neighborhood, they're using Parkbench to stay up to date with what's going uh-huh. on. Um, and, and local businesses can actually create a profile and put up their deals and their sales and their specials and promote their products and services to their community and we actually don't charge them any money because the way we make money and the and the, what I talked about at the very beginning, the value that we're offering real estate professionals is if you're relationship and referral based as a real estate professional and you want to get more clients because they either know you, like you, trust you, or mm-hmm. they refer you business, then the name of the game is to meet more people, give them value and prospect. And the business model that we have for them is the fact that they will sponsor their neighborhood park bench website. 
and give and pay us enough money so that we can give this amazing resource to the community for free. And then we give them scripts and templates of how do you use this local web page on Park Bench to get out in your community, meet people, build relationships, and have those people convert into clients um, and leads and referrals. So, right. So, you know, like, it's a really interesting concept that started out as just a marketing idea for my wife and our business. Mm-hmm. And then people said, I want one of these for my neighborhood. And that was kind of how the business started. So, really big picture to the people that pay us money, we're a marketing company for them to help them make money. But to the general public that, that uses our platform for free, we're a local news source. Um, and, uh, and you know, you, the second question you asked was kind of like, what's my role as a co-founder and CEO? Yeah. You know, it's a big kind of joke where, where a CEO, technically there's a board, you know, a CEO, the technical term for a CEO is for a publicly traded company with a board. It's almost like a bunch of fluff that, that, that I have the word CEO attached to my name, but it's, it's done because. Sure, it opens up doors. It makes people want to follow you and like you and listen to what you have to say and it creates status. But like the reality is at the very beginning, my wife and I, we did everything. So like it was just us. We did everything. We did the sales. We did the marketing. Um, we found developers to code, hiring the people, the mission, the vision, the values, the strategy, the operations, customer service, freaking janitors, you name it. We did everything. Um, but today, like five years later, as we've scaled this out, the stuff that stuck with me has obviously been the, the mission and the vision and the values of the company. That's something that the co-founders and, and, and I uh, create the strategy of where the company is going and what do we need to do and what does the team need to do? That's always, um, a CEO's role is the strategy. There's a huge, people and culture component so hiring and training and developing that that culture and that what we like to call at park bench the lifestyle that all of us who are here want to live and work Mm -hmm. um and then ultimately if you're at the top if you're managing the executives chief executive officer or you're managing the managers the people who move up within the company then then your job is to bring them up and uh, promote people within because you've taught them what you know and what you can do and you've made them better in their departments. Um, so, so creating leaders as well as being the leader um, is a huge part of us, of, of the CEO role. And then for me in particular, this isn't for everybody, but you know, I'm the face of the company. Some CEOs you know, hide behind the closed door and they're someone right. else yeah. who's the face. Of the company, um, but but we are a marketing company. We create lots of content, and and I'm the face. I'm on the YouTube videos. We create courses, and so I'm the one who's out there um, trying to be the influencer um, in the real estate space, repping my company. So um, those are kind of the elements that I play as the CEO. Awesome. Okay. So, so just a quick follow up question. When you say that there is a neighborhood, let's say Liberty Village. So have you guys like launched all neighborhoods across North America or do you guys launch a neighborhood when you guys find a sponsor? In this case, like you mentioned, a real estate professional. So how does that work? 
Yeah, good question. So we we only launch a neighborhood web page, so parkrance.com slash Liberty Village, if we have a sponsor. Because it takes research and development and customer service. It it takes resources to manage that web page so that the people who live and work in that area can get this resource for free. So unless we have a sponsor paying us a yearly fee, um, then, then no, uh, we don't launch a neighborhood without a sponsor. So right now we're in, uh, I think just over 10,000 neighborhoods across Canada, the United States. Um, and, wow. and to put that into perspective, there's probably about 150 to 200,000 neighborhoods in Canada and the U.S. We're in every state. Um, for sure. Every state and province, we have, you know, definitely some sites in there. Um, but there were probably only 10% uh, coverage in the United States and Canada. Okay, awesome. Okay. So I'm gonna dive into some marketing questions. But before that, like you guys have been in business for a few years, I was checking out your TechCrunch, uh, your article on TechCrunch and stuff. Like, did you guys raise any funding? Like, I, I I read that you guys were bootstrapped. So if you can talk about that. Yeah. So when we first started, um, Amanda and I, like she was a real estate professional. I was uh, a fitness coach. I had a company. She had hers. And so at the very beginning, like we just put our money into it to get it going. Um, mm -hmm. So to get started, we didn't get any money. And then we've never actually raised to this day we've never raised venture money so we've never sold a piece of our company to an investor but what okay. we have done um is i have gotten some debt uh we've we've gone to zero twice so when i say that i mean my bank account has gone to zero twice um and so to get through those times um, right. I've gotten uh, debt um, because we were cash flow positive. We were able to handle it. It was just two events that just totally screwed us over. It kind of happens in business. So we got some debt to get mm -hmm. us back into shape. Um, and just recently, we raised a large uh, debt round through uh, a firm called Tamaya. And so they're, they're kind of venture capitalists, but really they give a company um, debt based on their multiple, uh, their monthly revenue recurring. So they give you a multiple of your monthly re uh, recurring revenue. So ours is $360,000, let's just say. Um, right. so they would give us, they gave us $2 million. So usually these investors, there's a new model. It's really great for cash flow positive startups. Right. And if they'll give you four to six times, at least two, but usually four to six times your MRR, your monthly recurring revenue. Um, so, so that's kind of our financing to date. Um, we actually also got accepted to 500 startups in Silicon Valley. They do give you, uh, a hundred thousand dollars. I think maybe actually $150,000 now. Mm -hmm. Um, and they are sort of in some people's eyes, venture capitalists, but the way they're, uh, term works. And this is why I love accelerator programs is they will give you money, yep. take advisory shares, have a convertible note for mm -hmm. the money. 
um, but they, they take advisory shares. So they actually never value your company, which again gives you much, much more options um, if you do want to raise money down the road. Perfect. Okay. Okay. So my next question would be, so how do you guys acquire your customers? You say that you guys uh, like go after real estate agents and then they sponsor a neighborhood. So how do you guys acquire these customers? Like you said, 360K MRR, like are you guys running paid ads? Are you guys getting traffic from organic channels or do you guys go to like, you know, like uh, how do you guys do it? If you can explain it and like, what's the split uh, between paid and organic and uh, do you guys have any referrals? Like, so if you can shed, shed some light on that. Yeah. So right now it's, it's a combination, but I always want to preface it with, for anyone who's looking to start a company mm-hmm. at the very beginning, I cold called, I hustled, I traveled, I lived out of a suitcase for two years. Um, and, and I didn't have advertising budget. I just picked up the phone, sent some emails, sent some direct messages on social media, and I hustled my way for the first two years. I cleared my first million, um, just straight up cold calling, organic. Wow. Okay. That's impressive. And, and I think that that is a, a skill that every entrepreneur should develop because, um, you know, that's going to get you going when you have limited resources at the beginning. Um, that's why you don't necessarily need to raise money right at the beginning. But once you've got your machine going, once you've learned, you know, you've, um, and this is what 500 startups did for us. So we actually, up until 2016, so we started at the beginning of 2014, we're in beta in 2013, up until May of 2016, we actually have never done any advertising. It was just all cold calling and emailing and social media direct messaging and, and selling face to face and over the phone. Um, and they were like, well, when did you like, uh, when did you realize that like, it's time to go after paid channels like AdWords and Facebook? Like when, when did you realize that? Yeah. To be fair, I didn't realize it. It was 500 startups. My mentors there who are digital marketing gurus who had, you know, done digital marketing for Facebook and Google and Pinterest and Instagram and like all these crazy startups are like, Mm -hmm. you guys are fucking nuts. You guys need to do some advertising. You guys could make so much more money. And we're like, yeah, but we just don't really know how to do it. They're like, okay, well, that's what we're here for. We gave you a hundred thousand dollars. Let us help you. Let us show you. And so they taught us so much about marketing and they were the ones who are forcing us. Like they, right. they wouldn't even like, we almost debated at the beginning. Like, listen, like we're really good at sales. Like things are working sales wise. They're like, yeah, but you need to try this. So, so they were the ones that pushed us to do Facebook ads. They taught us how to do it. And, and then it just hit, it hit like crazy. So in 2016, we're making $80,000 a month. And, and by the next year, um, we were making, at the end of 2000, so 2016, $80,000 a month. By the end of 2017, we're making 300 and let's say $50,000 a month. Um, so a year and a half, you know, quadrupled our, our revenue. And that was by mastering paid. And so now looking at our percentages, probably 75% of all of our business is through paid ads that drive people to a landing page that make them go, 
here's my name, email, and phone number. I'd like to learn about your company. And then my sales guys pick up the phone and start closing. Um, then okay. we've got some organic channels. People find us on search engines. We've got this blog that, that educates real estate professionals about marketing. And that blog is optimized to collect leads. And, and then we get leads through this organic channel. And that's actually our best leads, our highest closing leads, our yeah. best, uh, you know, caught is from that organic and something that we're working on, which we know, which when Amanda and I first started this business, a huge part of how we were getting leads for sales was through referrals. Like I remember we started this in Toronto and every single one of our deals in the first two months came from one client saying, you should go talk to that person. I think they might buy this too. And then we go ahead and pitch that person and they bought it. And, and because of advertising, it drove our referral business down to like 5% of our business comes from referrals, sometimes 0%. And, and then we're now putting in systems to drive referrals again. Because right. the big thing was we just stopped asking. It was, a, it was like sometimes advertising works so well that you get lazy and then you stop asking for referrals. And referrals are the best business. It's the highest profits, lowest cost to acquire customer. They're the best customers, easiest to close. Um, and so we're really, we're really making attempts to try and do more referral business because it's just gotten too little and, and I want to profit more as a company. Um, but right now, last year, so like the Facebook ads is just amazing. Thank you, Mark Zuckerberg. You created an amazing <laughs> platform for me to make money off of. Um, <laughs> Google, LinkedIn, a little bit, Instagram, a little bit. Um, this blogging, creating content and then drive and then, and then optimizing that blog page for leads has been great. I want to do more of that. Um, and, and so that's, that's kind of a little, some background context to how we get business awesome like so knowing knowing what you know now like didn't you wish you started facebook ads like way back because i remember in 2014 or 2013 when facebook ad was new like like it was crazy how cheap the leads were yes the leads are still cheap compared to adwords but the cost is going high so so uh, so what my next question would be kind of like what do you talked about already but if you can so so, so which paid channels are you using most to spend your marketing dollars on? And if you can walk us through the, like, how do you guys acquire a customer? Like, what's the average deal size? And like, how, how does it happen? Like, uh, for your paid channels? Yeah. So, I mean, quickly, if I knew about Facebook ads and how to use Facebook ads and back in 2014, I would have 100% used it. If I had known what I know now, like when I start another business down the road or whatever, I would 100% do Facebook ads right away. Mm -hmm. um, one of the things you learn in 500 startups is you, you only need like 500 bucks to, to effectively test something. And so, you know, even if you spend 500 bucks and you don't really make that money, you have, if you did it properly, you would have learned something that would have allowed you to edit or tweak something so that you could spend another 500 and then make money. And once you figure it out, like it will take some time to figure it out. It could take, you know, if you're really good, it might take you like a month. 
Otherwise, it could take you about three months, three to six months to really nail mm -hmm. some funnels um, from ad to landing page to close. But once you figure that out, it's like a faucet. You just turn it up and you turn it down based on how much you can handle. Because that's another huge learning that you can't just buy a gajillion leads and make more money. Like especially if you're a high priced product like me, where the average person's paying forty five hundred dollars a year. Like we sell it on the phone, and so our sales guys can only handle so many leads before they just start wasting leads and not calling them, and then I'm just wasting money. Um, but anyways, I would have, I would have for sure used Facebook ads earlier. Um, and some other paid channels like that have really worked well for us are trade shows. So again, depending on your clientele, I used to think trade shows were stupid because, because you just do webinars online or just everyone's online. Like who the fuck goes to a trade show anymore? Um, but, but the reality is if you can make money at a trade show, like before you leave the trade show, if you can right. make money, which if you have a higher priced product, you might be able to do it, especially if you're good at sales. Mm -hmm. Then you should 100% go to trade shows because there's this residual branding benefit where so many of our deals is because like that person saw us at one trade show, two trade shows, three trade shows, and then six to 12 to two years later, um, six to 12 months right. to two years later that person now is like, oh, I've been studying you and watching you and, and, and now I'm ready to buy. Um, and, and our clients definitely love going to trade shows. So trade shows have been another paid channel, like an old school paid channel. And then we sometimes buy banner ads on other real estate websites. So when I say paid, I don't just mean Facebook ads and, and, and other ads online. It's just ads on other websites, say an industry website that's really popular, advertise on there, give right. that one a try, do trade shows and stuff like that. Um, now, now the way the client comes to us is, you know, we create the ad. Let's, let's talk about all the ad channels online. So Facebook ads, Google ads, you know, LinkedIn ads, Twitter ads, and, and any ads on a website is you create the ad, you know, with one message, one call to action. You right. drive that person to a landing page. And, and you have a video, maybe some testimonials, a web form, a, a form for them to fill out. And then, uh, once they fill it out, we get notified right away and we try to call those people as fast as possible. Speed to lead is one of the most important things when trying to convert leads. Um, and then your follow up game with those leads, because not everyone's going to buy right away. Some information you get from the form is incorrect. And if you just did a little research about that person, you would then find, you know, information to then, you know, go do it um, and, and close that person. So add to landing page to call them to try and close right. them or follow up to try and close them. That's that's kind of how we get our customers through through paid. Hmm. Okay. Cool. So so like looks like you got everything figured out. So what would be your biggest challenge right now in terms of sales and marketing? Because we have so many marketers who would listen to this podcast. So if you can first like walk us through some of the challenges you're facing and maybe what you're trying to do to solve them. Yeah. So. Right now, our challenge is we've kind of hit like a plateau 
You know, we're kind of hovering um, at this $360,000 a month, you know, with our churn and with the new business that comes in. And we're like, okay, how, what can we do to, to get to 500 and then a million dollars a month? The size of our sales team is too small. There's only so much money a salesperson can bring in. Even yeah, if you exactly. optimize their process, you train them, they become just amazing at, at closing deals. There's still a limit to how much that person can actually bring in. So, so building out a sales team and then building out a sales team full of people who are just like your top people. Um, that, that is one of the biggest challenges for sales. Um, and, and the way we're trying to solve that is one, we actually are trying to, how could, how can we actually scale out our top salespeople even better or me? Like, so webinars, like me right. doing webinars, maybe my sales guys do webinars or videos and then we send that out to a bunch of people and it helps them close. We've built a, a self-serve payment funnel. So someone doesn't even have to call anyone on the phone. They can just watch some videos, read some articles, read some testimonials and then buy our product. Um, trying to figure out how to actually scale sales and get more sales without a salesperson. That is something that we're playing around with. Um, and then changing the sales model where it's not just lead to, 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 to closing salesperson to closing the deal, but we've got this massive database of people who were at one point a lead, but didn't buy for whatever reason. And so right. how can we re-engage those people? How can we warm them up again? And, and then, and then get them to a point where now they want to talk to a, an account executive, a closer again. And so this is where marketing comes in and this is where other levels of sales comes in. So from a sales perspective, what HubSpot and Salesforce and Google, like what they do, where that you can read about in a book called Predictable Revenue, um, and HubSpot yep. even came out with a book recently that's pretty good, is the, these sales development representatives or these business development representatives, SDRs and BDRs is the short firm, where you get mm -hmm. these 20-year-old green salespeople that don't know a fuck about sales, but they want to do sales. They got good energy. Mm -hmm. They fit with your culture. They fit with your values. They want to learn how to do sales and, and they can quickly learn, you know, the basic first phase of the sale, which is cold call and, and re-engage the people that were at one point a lead and, and see if they qualify and see if they would like to see our platform again. You know, most companies, mm -hmm. you'll evolve year after year. And so if someone inquired to learn about your product a year, two years, three years ago, you can call them with excitement being like, man, like you got to take a look at what we got nowadays. Like we are so much bigger and better. I know you didn't buy. Why didn't you buy? Here's what's changed. Would you like to look at it again? You know, what are your problems? What are your goals? I think we can actually solve those again. You know, I really want you to take a look. Will you take a look? And the goal of those SDRs and BDRs is to book demos for the sales, the account executive, the closer, the really good sales guy, so that we can really further cap those guys out. You know, like even my best sales guys are still probably running at like 50% opt, you know, 
ability capacity, right. they can probably do two times more. And so what can I do to get them to 75 and 80% capacity? And marketing also plays a role because, hey, let's do some email marketing. Let's do some social media marketing. Let's do some direct messaging on social media. Let's, um, let's do some videos. Let's do content creation and add more value to our database and and build our database and then add more value to that database to get those people to at some point raise their hand and go, okay, now I want to talk to you guys. Now I want to inquire to learn more. Now I want to learn again what you guys do because of all these changes I'm hearing. And, and I didn't trust you before, but now from all this content marketing, I do trust you. Um, and so, and so together, the end goal for us is to get as many as people as possible to talk to a closer, to talk to an account manager on the, an account executive on the phone to, to learn about the platform and see if they want to buy. And at the same time, experiment with, with trying to close these people on the internet without having to talk to a salesperson just through consuming content and going to a, a payment page. Right. Okay. So you say marketing is important. Sales is important. Recently, HubSpot introduced a term called sales enablement, which is basically the, their way of saying that marketing and sales should work together side by side, not fighting with each other. So how do you guys implement that in your organization? Like, how do you guys ensure that there is some form of sales enablement across Parkbench so that you you guys can make more money? Yeah. So, um, I mean, first and foremost is communication, like sales and marketing need to communicate. And I think more often than not, like marketing sits in a room and then sales guys are sitting in a different room and they just never communicate. And so communication is key and it's usually undervalued. It's underdone. You got to hyper communicate in those departments. Like the sales guys aren't marketers, but the sales guys should know what the marketers are doing, why they're doing it. And every single time a lead comes to them, they need to know as much as possible about how that person became a lead and like what might be going through that person's mind as to why they became a lead through the marketing so that they can better communicate with that lead and better close that lead. So, so much communication and, and understanding between the departments and what's happening and what's being done and why it's being done and um, is, is huge for sales enablement. The other thing is, is the workflows. So when, when the lead comes in, like how is a salesperson getting the lead and, and then understanding where this lead came from, what kind of lead it is, right. and what they should be saying. And, and all that needs to happen within seconds, um, through a CRM software, we use Salesforce so that, this, this, we, we, we call the lead quickly and we know exactly what to say based on what kind of lead that was. That workflow management, um, is a huge thing. Um, then, you know, just when you think about how to enable sales better, how to be smarter at marketing, you just got to experiment more. So the sales guys and the marketing guys got to work together and they got to, Sales guys can come up with ideas for the marketers and marketing guys can try out new things and tell the sales guys how maybe they should talk differently to a lead because of the way this new lead was generated. And, and this, and both departments need to be willing to experiment, um, and try mm -hmm. different things out. And, uh, at the, at the end of the day, one of the things 
that I've wanted to do is align the compensation. So if Mm -hmm. the marketers are getting compensated based on the sales revenue that's brought in, and obviously the sales guys are compensated based on the money they bring in, then they work more together as a department. They, They cheer each other on. They want each department to get better and to have more success uh, and to be friendly with each other versus fight each other um, like some companies. And so if everyone is incentivized to make more money for the company, then they they more they work together better. At least this is my experience. So, um, you know, communication, experimentation and compensation. Uh, those are those are probably, you know, the big three. Right. Okay. Awesome. So yeah, that's smart. Like align it so that they both are striving towards the same goal and that benefits the company in the long term. Okay. I'm going to dive deep into some marketing questions and then I have one final question for you. So the marketing questions would be like, so what's your average deal size and what's your CAC for the deal size? Like what's your customer acquisition cost? My average contract value, my ACV, is around 4500 Canadian. So depending on what month it is and what stamping with Trump, that might mean that equals $3,000 American or $3,600 American. But I'm Canadian, so all I know is that my average deal size is 4500 Canadian. Now, my average paid cost to acquire a customer... And I'll, and I'll quickly preface why I emphasize the word paid because there's the real cost to acquire a customer, which is your ad spend and your labor spend. So sales, right. salaries, and commissions, marketing, salaries, and commissions, and advertising spend, all of that together, which was used to generate leads to close a sale. That's what really matters. Um, mm-hmm. and so for us, you know, if, if we spend money, like some of the best forms is obviously organic, um, which we're just paying for writers and boosting the posts and webinars, which we're just, you know, paying for you know, getting traffic and email marketing to drive people to the webinar, you know, and then I'm doing it. And obviously I don't charge for my time for my own company. Right. So like we've been able to get the paid cost to acquire customer as low as a hundred, two hundred dollars. If we're doing Facebook ads, um, you know, the cost of leads is anywhere from twenty dollars to eighty dollars, depending on the time of month and what's happening in the market and stuff like that. And mm-hmm. and we've been able to get a close ratio of one in ten to one in thirty, probably averaging around one in twenty. So our our cost our paid cost to acquire customer has averaged from Facebook ads has averaged about um, $750 is around the average. Sometimes we close them quick and it's been around, you know, three, $400. Sometimes a new salesperson who starts getting leads gets into the slum, but you're still giving him leads and it takes him a while to close. And it's, it gets up to like, you know, $1,500 right. sometimes. Um, when I pay to acquire that customer, that's just the paid. Then I factor in their sales, salaries, and commissions. And that's why, you know, our and overhead costs, right? You know, and like, overhead and all that stuff. So, um, but, but paid is it, it, the average is 750. Our high is 1500. Our low is a couple hundred bucks. 
um, depending on the channel. Um, and and it'd be great if I could scale out the two hundred dollar channel more than the seven hundred fifty dollar channel. But sometimes there's a cap to how much you can actually get from one channel. So you really need to have a blend of channels. Right. And the thing about organic is like organic gives you a good return, but it also takes time to build organic. And that's a, that's a huge factor. So, 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 so you said that your ACV is 4,500 Canadian, but like, so, so, so what's the LTV? Cause the reason why I'm asking this question is because you say that $1,500 or 800 to 1500, it's hovering between that for your CAC. But if your LTV, if they're, if they're renewing or, you know, after the contracts expire, do they renew or like, because, because then, then it's a significant, the ROI, the whole dynamic of the ROI changes. Cause literally then you're not spending a dime and, and your ROI factor is going up exponentially. So, so what's your LTV? Uh, and like, what are some of the things that you guys are doing to improve it? Right now, based on the formula for LTV, uh, having done this for like my pitch deck to investors, it was $7,400. So, right. so yeah, it, I get $4,500 in my first year and for me up front most of the time. So I pay, let's say, $1,500 after sales, salaries, commissions, and ad spend. I get $4,500. So I'm already in the black. I've already made cash flow positive, which I highly recommend mm -hmm. uh, startups uh, do. And that my lifetime value, my LTV is 7,400. So investors like seeing that multiple um, is, is a whole lot better. Now, you know, renewals and, and upselling is something that we're constantly working on. Um, and that, that's how you raise LTV. You raise it by getting more people to renew, um, getting more people to refer. Um, and getting your current customers to spend more money. If one customer turns into do into two, that's amazing. If one customer renews for two, three years, amazing. And if that one customer, you start selling them other things like marketing services, courses, swag, right? Um, then you can drive that number up as well. Um, so those are the things that we're doing to increase our LTV. Right. Awesome. Cool. Okay. So final question, Grant. So let's say someone wants to start a business of their own in terms of sales and marketing. This is what I ask all CEOs I interview. In terms of sales and marketing, what are some advices you would like to give them having known what you know today after years of experience for anyone who's looking to start their own business? Okay. So first, like for anyone starting their own business, when you think about sales, it's you're the founder, just go mm -hmm. fucking do it and, 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 and stop trying to play some games and, you know, be all, be all a marketer to make sales. Just go make sales. Like just go pick up the phone, run out into the market, get face to face and start talking mm -hmm. to prospects. Um, you know, everyone needs to stop being a little bitch. And, and if you're an introvert, if you're a developer, doesn't fucking matter. It, 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 you'll, you will learn so much from about your customer when you see them face to face. Um, don't try to just right. do this all behind a computer. Um, you'll learn so much as well as like 
if you want to be a great leader, you need to have you need to have a good mix of skills. You got to be a salesperson, even if you're a coder. And so just by forcing yourself to get out there, it's cheap, it's free, it's your time. And, and, and you develop skills, you learn about your customers is absolutely the best thing to do when it comes to starting a business and getting sales. Now, when it comes to marketing and, and starting and marketing is, is be a scientist. So like it is so much easier to be a right. scientist and try and be some creative that just pops out with ideas and, you know, is that fat cat on fucking whatever that Madison Avenue in New York and just pumps out ideas <laughs> out of his ass that are Super Bowl commercial winners. Like, you know, all the best marketers I met in Silicon Valley, they were geeks. They were nerds and, and they were just scientists. And so experiment. You know, stop thinking you're right. Just assume you're wrong. Just put out your best effort right away as fast as you can. Right. Record all the different elements of that effort. Get the result. Don't think about you need to wait so long and spend so much money to, to get a daily, a day, a significantly get data that's significant. Okay. Just mm-hmm. experiment 500 bucks a week and, and then change one variable. And then try again and then change another variable and try again. And you'll just chip away and start getting better at marketing. Um, so experimentation and, and logging your experiments like a scientist is definitely something I wish I did more earlier on. And then, right. um, once you, once you find the channel, once you find something that works, spend your mm-hmm. money. Like, so my parents are immigrants. They're not business people. They, they're like, if everyone's read Rich Dad, Poor Dad, like my dad is the stereotypical poor dad. He is a doctor. So he made good money, but everything was about holding onto it and saving it and conserving it and, 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 you know, not spending and investing it. So when you have a business and you see that you're getting after sales and marketing, salaries and commissions and your ad spend. If you're getting at least two times ROI after all that spend, then right. you just need to keep spending money until you don't get at least two. Now your goal is going to be three X, four X, five X, you know, all in. But if you can just get at least two, just keep spending money because it's working. And and Continue to experiment like 10 to 20% of your budget should go towards experiments and, and 80 to 90% goes towards the main thing that's working. Right. And, and, and you just keep, you just keep going until that main thing stops working and something or something else that you experiment with works better. Then you just start reallocating money. But if something's working, don't stop it. Just reallocate money to the thing that's working better and just keep experimenting um, and, and keep selling, right? If you're the owner and the founder, it's, it's good to keep selling because it's good to stay in the game and stay in touch with what's required to sell uh, and to market so that even though you may delegate it to other people, 
if you want to have good conversations with them to help them out and to move the sales and marketing departments forward, you got to still play in the game and, and right. be a part of the experimentation and sell and do some marketing um, and, and be, a, be a part of that process because it's the most two most important departments in a company. Awesome. Okay. So, Grant, thank you so much for joining this interview. And I wish you all the success, and I hope Parkbench attains everything that you ever wished it wish it to attain. And thanks a lot for uh, coming to this podcast, man. Cool, man. Thank you. People go to parkbench.com, check out the website. You can follow me on social media at GrantFSOfficial. Shoot me up on a DM if you want to learn more. If you want to ask me questions, shoot me a DM. I'm happy to help other entrepreneurs build the business and create an amazing life for themselves.